Welcome to another episode of Behind the Dreamers. I'm Jennifer Loading, and we are talking to the achievers, the creators, the magic makers, and the dreamers. These are our friends, these are your friends, and they are living the extraordinary. Well, here we are today, another episode, have another amazing guest on the show. Super excited to welcome her to the show. But before we do that, I'm going to give you guys just a little bit of teaser about who she is. And so my guest today, she is a cancer surviving, entertaining widow and expert on love. She says she serves up inspiration with the side of humor and life application for dessert. And I totally love this. I'm not, Kim, I'm just going to say, I totally love this part because I'm just, I'm filling up this whole, you know, side of humor and life application for dessert. I just, I love the wording on this, but uh, you guys are going to be in for a treat today. So before I welcome her on, I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. So today's episode is brought to you by Walt Mills Photography. If you are a creator needing post-production, consultation, or promotion, Walt Mills is your guy. Whether short film, YouTube production, photography work, or new headshot, he can help you find a solution to match your needs. To learn more about Walt and his work, you're going to want to go to photosbywalt.com. We also want to give a shout out to our friend Chris Klo of Upbeat Media Production. If you are in need of turnkey special events, Chris is your go-to. To learn more about him, you're going to want to go to upbeatmediapro.com. All right, I'm well ready to welcome our guest to the show today. This is going to be awesome. Kim Sorrell is the director of a humanitarian organization, a speaker, and the author of two books. Cry Until You Laugh is a book about her and her husband's battle with cancer after being diagnosed just four mar- months apart. And Love Is chronicles her year-long quest to figure out the true meaning of love. She says this sometimes funny, sometimes scary always enlightening journey led to life-changing discoveries found mainly on the streets of Haiti. So Kim, I am super thrilled to have you here today. Welcome to Behind the Dreamers. Jennifer, I am super thrilled to be here today and I love your podcast. It should be on everybody's list. Everybody should be listening to you. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I love what I get to do. I love meeting incredible people like you guys that come on here, share your stories and just, you know, I was just doing a recording right before you came on here and I was talking about how every episode that, and I've talked to, you know, he asked me how many I had on my other podcast. I think there were like 170, I I may be wrong. Maybe it was 150. I want to say 170 shows on there. And then we're up to like, he asked me how many were on this one. I said, well, I just released 47, but I've got a bunch in the recording bin right now that I haven't even released yet. Every episode, I learned something new. Every single episode, I learned something new about somebody. And just, it's incredible the takeaways, you know, that you can learn from you guys that you can apply not only to your life, to your business, you know, how you interact with other people, how you conduct in your day to day. So I am, I'm grateful to have you guys in my space and to share your journey and your knowledge with me and with my audience. So thank you for being here today. Mm, my pleasure. My pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dive into this because I don't even know all your journey. I just know like, you know, what you've told me here and, and, and obviously you have had this incredible story. I, I mean, I'm li- looking at the end of this and like found mainly on the streets of Haiti. I know this has to be something with your discovery here. So I'm excited to even learn about this, but just tell us a little bit about what led to these two books that you put it. Cause you got two right now. Am I correct? Okay. Tell right. us a little bit about what led to the release of these books. Sure. Yeah. Well, when I was in high school, I was determined to be the first woman president. 
And so I had my life laid out before me. I knew exactly what I needed to do, when, where I was going to go, whatever. And then this tall, dark, handsome man walked in the room. And I didn't plan on ever getting married, but my mother married a short man. And so I decided if I ever were to marry, he had to be over six foot tall to give my kids a chance. And he had to be good looking, so he'd look good in my wedding pictures. This is and great. there he was. This he was six foot three and gorgeous. And so I thought, oh my. And I fell head over heels in love. And ten days after I met him, I asked him to marry me, and he said yes. And then we got married less than a year later. And uh we had a great marriage. And I started my first business right out of high school. I've been in the business world forever, in the nonprofit world, and Life was cruising and we've got five kids and uh, we just had become empty nesters just and we were so looking forward to it. And I don't know why. I don't know what happens with empty nesters if you get to run around the house naked. Right. or <laughs> We had just become empty nesters when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I started writing because I went to the bookstore and everything was either depressing or so medical. And I wanted to know what it felt like, like, what am I going to go through? And so it was a way to uh, let my family and friends know what was happening next, uh, surgery tomorrow, you know, whatever it was. But it was so much more than just that. And before I knew it, 5,000 people were reading what I was writing. Wow. And then four months in, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm. And uh, I was still writing and he passed away six weeks later. So, oh, um, wow. which is crazy. Right. I mean, you know, who does that happen to? I, I haven't met anybody yet that that's happened to, but, uh, it, um, led to my first book, cry until you laugh. Cause I think that's what you have to do. Yeah. You know, you got to give yourself permission to cry and grieve and whatever, but you also have to give yourself permission to laugh. You know, I think sometimes people feel like they're dishonoring of who they lost if they live life. And I think right. it's the opposite you're honoring the person by living life. And so yeah. enjoy, laugh. And so that was that book. And then losing my husband made me question love, the mm. true meaning of love. And was I doing it right? You know, I loved him a ton and we had a great marriage, but I wanted to know, you know, am I doing this life right? My new life, a life I didn't plan on, you know, I planned on being 95 years old and a rocker on a porch drinking lemonade and smiling at each other or whatever married couples do in their 90s on a porch. And I had to reinvent. And so I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And so I decided I would dedicate a year to figuring out the true meaning of love. Wow. We're going to talk about that. But wow, what a story. I mean, and I, I admire you for saying, you know, when you're in that, I, I haven't personally been in something like that, but I think anytime you have something that you feel is bad and then you have that guilt, right? Like it's, it's, you feel like you can't move on to that next phase, right? There's that guilt hanging on. And I've talked with people that have had situations where they have something they're hanging on to, right? And they can't, they feel like they can't have permission to move on and live their life because they're stuck and frozen in that, in that moment, you know, like moving past. So admirable that you, and I'm looking at you and listening to you right now. And I feel like there's just this, 
like kind of peace, this calm, you know what I mean? Like I, I, you know, I, I had another gal on my show. I don't know if you caught that episode, but she works in ministry and her husband was also a pastor in ministry and he had committed suicide. He had dealt with mental, mental illness. He had gotten cancer and then there was addiction because he was on medication. And then he ultimately ended up committing suicide. And when she came on the show, um, there was just this calm and interestingly enough, she's now engaged to get remarried. So she's been able to work, you know, and heal. And she goes back now into the ministry and actually talks about mental illness in, in the ministry, because you don't think that's happens in there, right? Like you don't think that's going to happen to a pastor of all things. Right. So I think it's a very admirable thing when you're able to take that tragedy and really find kind of the peace in that. And then how do you take that and use it? you know, to inspire other people or propel. And so I can see how even your first book where people were reading that, because when you're in something deep like that and other people are in that, they can res it can resonate with them. Right. And they want to know what's it like for you being in that, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just going through the journey and surviving and breathing and living. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's, yeah, I want to talk about this, uh, this year, you know, this dedication, tell us about that because I, you know, I'm like, this is so interesting to me, you know, like what were you, you were searching to find the meaning of love. Like, what did that look, you know, what does that look like for you? Maybe tell us a little bit about that journey and what you found in that. Sure. Well, first of all, I have a hard time committing to an entree when I go out for dinner. So to commit a whole year to something was a real stretch for me. Like that was a lot to commit a whole year. And uh, I decided I would take an old, old, old poem, uh, Love is Patient, Love is Kind, Does Not Envy, Does Not Boast. I've heard, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, and take it one word at a time and figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And because it seems so simple, you know, we know what patience and kind are, you know, whatever. But anyway, I thought, well, it's written for some reason. So uh, really work on it and try to figure it out. And the first thing I figured out is that there are 14 is's and isn'ts of love. And at Mm. one a month, I wasn't going to get it done in a year. So it took me a little longer than a year. But I was in Haiti most of the time that I was doing it. And uh, the very first month, I just thought love is patient, love is patient. It was always on my mind. I was just kind of looking for it everywhere. And every single month, I thought I knew what I was going to find. And ended up finding something entirely different and ended up not finding it until I got hit over the head with it at the end of the month. It took me an entire month every single time. And crazy stuff happened. I mean, I was chased by a motorcycle gang. I slept outside with tarantulas and snakes. And, and I just, I tell the stories uh, of first what I think it's going to be. And then the story that leads me to what it ends up being. Yeah. This is interesting because I, I don't know if I shared with you, shared with the guy that was on the last, I'm sharing with everybody because it's kind of a big thing I'm working on, but I'm building this program out right now. And it's really kind of a, it's like 20 years worth of content. It's everything pulled together between what I learned as a sales director in Mary Kay and the you know 22 years I was with that organization, learned a lot of things there. Um, what I learned going through my own journey, overcoming my medical condition and surviving that and going through my life coaching. And then what I've learned most recently working with the mentor on the business side of things. And so 
it's interesting because I'm going through all this and doing it and there's a lot in it, like, right? Like there's just a lot to it. And I don't know what I was trying to tell you with this, why I was thinking about this. Cause there was something you just said that I was going to tie this all together. And it's like, my brain just froze, but I'm working on this program right now and putting everything into this and just bringing all this stuff that I learned. But it's funny. Oh, I know what it was because one of the parts that I'm kind of talking about in this is about how we think that we're going to do one thing, right? Like we're going to do this one thing and, and it can be in life, it can be in business, but we end up really using something called obliquity, which is an indirect path to reach the path of success, whatever that is we're looking for. That's where I was going with this one. She's just talking about, why did my brain freeze for a moment? This is what happens when I do too many podcasts in a row. My brain goes silly, but it's, it's really about obliquity, right? Like we go to to find, like, if you think about it in the quest for happiness, right? Like people who search necessarily in the quest for happiness don't really find happiness the way they think they're going to find happiness, right? Like I was, mm-hmm. one of the things I taught was talking about in the program is if you remember the movie, The Bucket List with um, Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, right? Like they create this bucket list and the whole idea is they're going to go basically live their glory days out in their dying days, right? To find joy so that they can have this well-lived life. And then they realize that they're going through this bucket list and it's kind of stupid. It's like, they're not really finding what they need. And then Morgan Freeman ends up going back and becoming, going home back to his wife and becoming a better husband. Right. And then you see at the end of the movie where he leaves a note to Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson rekindles his relationship with his daughter, meets his granddaughter. And then he writes the eulogy about how he found, you know, he learned from the other guy. And so I think life is like that. I think we set out to find things and we don't necessarily find them the way we think we're going to find them. Right. And, and that's the beauty I think of that's this. So true. I love, I love what you just said. And it is, it's so true. And I think it, it, you need to be open, right? Yeah. Like if you're so on course and you think this is the only path to, uh, to your destiny, like that, this is the only way to get there instead of, well, I could take this flight or I could take this train or I could take this road, you know, that there, there are many ways to get to the same destination. So if you're open to mm-hmm. what might be there that you didn't know was there, uh, it makes life a little more exciting. Yeah. I always think of Jordan Peterson because he talks about that. You know, like if you're so focused on the path forward, you miss all the opportunities on the side, right? And like there are times in our life where like, and you said in the very beginning, you were determined to do this as a child, like you had this. And I can see you being very much like, you know, once you make a decision, you're probably like on it, right? Like you don't want to make, and then you make it and you're like, I'm doing it. And that's the way I am too. Like, I'm not going to make a decision that I can't commit to because I can't stay committed to things that I just am not going to stay committed to. But once I make a decision, then I'm on it, you know? But I think that, you know, we get sometimes there are times when you need to be laser focused and you need to put the blinders on and not look at the things around you. Right. But I think we miss so many opportunities when we get so focused on winning the goal and saying rather than saying, you know, the journey's there and maybe that goal's that goal. I'm going to get it, but maybe I need to take a few routes around the, the park before I get there so that I can smell the roses on the way there, you know, meet the opportunities of meeting the people and, and having those experiences. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Don't miss the moments. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in my life, you know, there's been so many moments where I've been like so laser focused on something and I just didn't enjoy that process at all. Like I just, 
you know, and I walk away. I mean, there were times and, and I was telling somebody this just yesterday because I was talking to another a, a gal that was also in Mary Kay. I don't know. We didn't meet over that. We met over something else because neither one of us are in Mary Kay. We were both sales directors and it just came up because it was such a huge part of my life. And, you know, and we were talking about like all the things we had learned in there and being so laser focused on things that we had to come away and kind of excavate some of the things, you know, like I remember going through like directorship in 2002. And that's when you move from like being in consultant to red jacket and to team leaders, like you're moving up to the top 2% of the company. Right. And there's all these parameters that you have to do to meet it. But when I tell you like how much pain that was, you know, to do that. And then I'm not even in that position anymore. Like I stayed there for almost 15 years and stepped down and I look at it and I go, that was great and all, but I didn't really enjoy all of it. You know what I mean? So I, I think there's something to be said about finding those things and just kind of, I think your story is remarkable. That's what I'm saying. I think this, this part where you're talking about, like I set out to do this and I realized that I found something else. I, you know, at the end of the month, it was really something else that I found out about it, you know? There's growth yeah. in that. Yeah, there, there sure is. Yeah, there is. And there's something to be said about having a job and living your passion. Yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah, absolutely. It can be the same or it can be two different things. Yes. Yes. I agree so with like, you. Like with you with Mary Kay, it was a great job. Yeah. But probably not living your passion. Yeah. There were part. well, and there were parts about it that I loved. And what's interesting is that a lot of the stuff that I loved about it, I'm doing now. Like the things that I loved, I extrapolated the things in there, you know, and I, I tell this funny thing about how when I was kind of in the middle of soul searching, I was, I can, I can tell you exactly where I was because I was on my treadmill. We don't have that treadmill and we have elliptical in the house now, but I was on a treadmill in my house and I was reading, I had to talk about strength finders. If you read the book, strength finders, I had to do a training on strength finders and it's about, there's like, it's, it's like a book where you find your strengths and you just find the part that you're like, you got five of them, I believe. And you pick the ones by doing a test. It tells you which ones you are. So I had to cover, I think mine was on discipline because that's an area that I've always been pretty good at is on discipline. And so I'm going through the strength finders and that wasn't the one that that's the one I'm training on. It wasn't the one I was hung up on. I went through this and all of a sudden this light bulb moment happens for me because I realize as I'm on this treadmill walking that there's a reason there were part, there, there are things that I loved in the, in the, in the industry that I was in. Oh, I was good at that. I loved it. But there were parts of that that I did not really like, and I was having to do them and I was having to do them a lot. And that's when that moment went off. And I said, you know what? Now I realize why I love closing people, why I love when people are excited and passionate. And, and okay, so let's fast forward this. That's what I get to do when I do my podcast. And when I do my coaching is I get to actually find the people that I want to talk to, that I want to work with so I can have great conversation. You see what, I, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what would happen is when I was in this business, I would get these people excited. And I'd get them closed at the end. And then when the next day would come, they'd go talk to their husband. They'd show back up and it'd be like, well, I talked to my husband now and he's not excited. And then the duh, 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 duh would happen. And then my just totally would kill my internal flame. Like that, that fire would just go out and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm done with this conversation. Let me go find another happy person. <laughs> I'm going to go find another happy human. Right. So, yeah, I think so to your point. Yes. I think when we get to find the things that we love doing, we find the parts that, that, I think when you match your gifts with your passion, right, and find a way to serve others, 
that's when you have like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Like just the, the happy factor. Yeah. The happy factor, happy factor, you know? And if you understand the human needs, like, you know, Tony Robbins talks about it. And then the Maslow hierarchy, they sort of kind of coincide. You know, they talk about that top part of the pyramid being growth and contribution. I think in Maslow's, it's, I forgot what it's something in transcendence up there. Actualization and transcendence are on the top. And so the people that are happier when they find that top spots, when they're growing, right. And when they're serving other people. So think Mm -hmm. about it in that terms, passion plus your, your gifts, your passion, and then serving others, you hit that. A lot of times people don't even know they're they're going up there, right? Like they're just like, what? This is feeling pretty good. They don't even know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But it's so true. It's so yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. And, and serving other people. So when my husband, after my husband passed away and I was uh, finally ready to go back to work physically myself, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, if I was going to go back into my businesses or if I was going to run a nonprofit that I'd run before and stepped down from or what. And I ended up uh, that I was taking a job as a part-time bookkeeper of a nonprofit organization that my father and I had started 10 years before that. And this guy was running. And uh, 12 days later, there was an earthquake in Haiti that killed 200,000 people. Oh, wow. So within a couple of weeks, I went from part-time bookkeeper to 24-7. And I was on the ground in Haiti And for the next several years, I was in Haiti every month, uh, at least part of every month. And uh, I really believe that service heals grief, Mm -hmm. that service heals a lot of things. Like when you you can get outside of yourself Mm -hmm. and and instead focus on other people, help other people and not be just so into your own pain, your own whatever you got going you can see that there's a world of people out there and lots of them in a lot tougher position ever been in in your whole life and uh there's there's something great about that but you also can't outserve it's like i i go to help you know i find this time and again i've heard other people say the same is you go to help but then what you get back is so much more than Mm -hmm. what you give. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. I just saw, I, I was watching a video from Simon Sinek. I'm, I'm knee deep in this stuff right now because I'm having to find information. So I'm, I feel like I'm just like in my own little master's program right now, building stuff out. But he had a, has a video out where he just talks about that. Like, you know, when you're, when you're the best way to learn yourself is to, to help other people. And so I agree with you on that. I think when you take yourself out of the equation, you know, if you're, it, it's, it's like teaching. I mean, you know, like we always had kind of this premise in Mary Kay was the way you learn would be like by helping people. And so we took people with us, you know, and that was kind of always the, the, the idea was that we're learning this, but while we're learning, so are you, like, we're all learning together, you know, and me helping you, you know? And so I do, I think that, uh, it's, it's basically the go give, right. You know, where, what does it do unto others as you would have them treat you. And then also the, you know, help without expecting in return, you know, and when you do that, you get so much more back, you know, and I, there was a, something I put even in my program where there was a, I forgot what it was called. The guy was doing some kind of project where he was 
basically saying you pick somebody at your work and you help that person. Like you meant, you take that person under your wing and you basically mentor them. And then what ends up happening is the guy that's doing the mentoring gets promoted. He gets elevated up into, you know, moves up the, up the ladder. What that probably maybe may or may not have been his intention. Right. But that's the byproduct of you helping somebody else, you know? And so Zig Ziglar always used to say that, right? Like you can get what you want if you help enough other people become, get what they want first. Mm-hmm. So it's kind yeah. of a hard for a lot of people to understand. Yeah. Because it seems so opposite of mm-hmm. what you think is going to be true, but, yeah. uh, but it's not, it's right. And it's the way to live. I mean, really, yeah. you know, like yeah. when I, when I was working on different loves, love that is kind is exactly what you're explaining. And, uh, you know, I thought kind, you know, we know what kind is. You do kind things. We're kind. People are kind, right? right? You say kind things, you do kind things. But love that is kind takes it a step further. And Mm. love that is kind does kind things, is kind with zero expectation of getting anything in return. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So, you know, how many times have you heard somebody say, gosh, they didn't even say thank you? Or- I went to their daughter's wedding. Where are they at mine? Right, so, right. Forever, right? But yes. but then that's not kind. There, that's you, maybe it's something that you did kind, but that's not love that is kind. Sure, love that is kind would say, don't expect anything in return. Just yeah. don't have any expectation of anything in return. And yeah. uh, that's real love. That that is real love that is kind, and it's what you you're talking about as well. That's good. And that's a hard thing to do. I mean, it really is. It's a hard thing, you know, for a lot of people to, I mean, even I'm in, I say that too, because especially when you start dealing with family, <laughs> you'd be like, Hey, you know, like family, like they didn't call you, they didn't do this, you know, and you find yourself sometimes in that trap and, you know, and, and I always have to say like, even with mine sometimes, cause they do that. And I have to like, just pull, I have to get my, get out of it, get out of it. Like, I don't want to be caught in that garbage, you know, that, that, that junk, but I think that is so true. And so you said you had like, 14 of these that you worked on, right? 14 different things that you were trying to find. So the kindness, what were some of the other ones that you were working on? You don't have to tell us all, but what were, do you remember some of the ones you were trying to? Yeah, well, I'll tell you the hardest one or what I thought was going to be the hardest one that I kind of put off is that it says love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Oh. And I thought, well, what can that possibly mean? Because we might forgive people, but we don't forget. And yes. so what, what can it mean? And that month when I was working on it, got a phone call from a guy from the U.S. that wanted to see a water project that I was working on in Haiti and asked if I'd show them. And so there were eight men that came from the U.S. And then I brought two of my Haitian friends who had been working with me on the on the project and to translate and both men. And uh, we went out into the countryside, got to where we were staying, and there was this little building with two rooms with four twin-sized beds in each room. Eight American men, two Haitian men, and me. But we brought two cots and we brought an air mattress. So I'm thinking, we're all set. We're good. You know, we'll figure it out. There's room in the rooms. We'll figure it out. And the head guy pulls me over. Kim, Kim, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure. And he said, did you see the rooms? And I'm thinking, buddy, there is nothing else to see. I mean, this is a little tiny place. And then I went, oh, he's asking me because he's thinking that I'm going to want my own room. So I'll say to him, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he'll say, oh, no, no. If anyone should sleep inside, it should be you. And I'll say, well, I don't care if there's other people in my room. And he'll say, good, good, because there's only so much space. So I said, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he said, oh, good, good. 
there are men on this trip that would not be comfortable with a woman in their room. And I'm thinking, what is going to happen in hot, hot Haiti in the middle of the night? Like, I wear pajamas. I don't even know what he thinks can possibly happen, but I said I'd sleep outside, so I had to figure it out. And so I looked around, a piece of plywood kind of held up by some wood structures, and I thought, well, if I sleep under that, at least if it rains, I'll stay dry. But I was scared. There are tarantulas. And there are snakes and chupacabras or I don't know, whatever is lurking in the bushes of Haiti. And I thought, oh, my word, you know, what? what, what is wow. going to happen in the night? So the first night, I blew up the air mattress, went to bed. The air mattress held air for about an hour. And it was so loud because horns were honking and dogs were barking. And finally, sometime after midnight, that died down. And then... About 2 a.m., voodoo drums started in the distance, and that went for a couple hours. Then finally, I was able to get some sleep. So the first night came and went. Everything was fine. Second night, same thing. Nowhere in the air mattress. I'm sleeping on gravel. The dogs, the horns, the voodoo drums. Finally, I'm asleep. But I woke up because there was something on my leg. And I thought, oh, my word, does Haiti have the anti-venom to whatever it is that is about to bite me? You know, am I going to get airlifted to Miami in time to save my life or in the countryside in Haiti. And, and so I slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes and it was a chicken. There was a dang chicken on my leg. And I didn't know whether to be mad because it woke me up from the little bit of sleep I was getting or happy that it wasn't something worse. So I shooed it away. Third night came and went, no problem. Fourth night, I'm on the gravel, the horns, the dogs, the voodoo drums, finally asleep. But again, I woke up because there was something on my leg. And again, I was panicked. I was so afraid of what I was going to see, what it could possibly be. So again, I slowly lifted my head and slowly opened my eyes. And it was the chicken. Again, it was the dang chicken. And again, I didn't know whether to be mad or happy. And, and that night, though, we had chicken for dinner. So the next night came and went without incident. And at first I was mad. I was bitter. I thought, who do these guys think they are? You know, it wasn't even uh, that I was a different gender. It's like I was less than. Like, hey, you go sleep outside, you know, with the, yeah. with the tarantulas and the snakes. And I, I was angry. And I thought, gosh, I, I would hope that my sons wouldn't treat a woman this way. I'm all about equality. Right. I am a human being and I'm, I am a woman. I mean, come on. And so at first that was my attitude. And then, then it kind of hit me that bitterness only hurts me. They don't know that I'm mad. So it's not going to hurt them in any way. You know, you know how bitterness can just eat away at you. So that, that's no good. And then it was like, oh, well, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I finally got it. I finally got it. And what it is, is Love just changes the narrative. You know, our reaction to things is by our choice. We, we get to choose how we react to things, right? And so love changes the narrative. It just changes the tone. So instead of these rotten guys that did this horrible thing to me and I had to sleep outside, it's just this funny thing that happened to me that now I could literally sleep anywhere in the world and be perfectly comfortable. And, and that's it. You know, the tone of the story changed. Wow. Love. Yeah. Keep record of 
That's good. That's a good story. I'm like the dang chicken. Dang chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that I Apparently that chicken. <laughs> yeah, that chicken liked you. You just kept coming around. But yeah, I, I can't even imagine that because, yeah, I mean, and, and I think that, yeah, just listening to you to talk about that, I would think, yeah, it would be hard to not be bitter in that situation, like not be angry about it, but you're so right. And I think it's, you know, it's a lot of times in the moment, it's hard to, depending on the severity of the incident, right? Like it's hard to be okay with that. But I think when you get to a place too, where you can start learning to forgive right? Forgive other people and forgive yourself for things. And I think you can get to that place where you can really quit, keep, quit keeping record. Like mm -hmm. It's not that you forget that, but you no longer have the bitterness tied to it. You know what I mean? You've changed the way you're looking at it. And it's like, oh, well, that happened. You know, like that was a story. And and then you found the positive. Well, I can sleep anywhere now. And I'm, you know, I slept with, I, had, I was worried about chupacabras, you know, I mean, <laughs> thank God that didn't show up. Right. Oh, so, yeah, no. wow. Wow. That's incredible. I, yeah. I'm going to have to check out your book. Definitely. It sounds extremely insp inspirational. I love book stories like that. So are you now, are you going around and speaking at organizations or what do you, or anything you're working on particularly right now? I am. I am. I'm very passionate about the things that I learned about love that changed my life tremendously and are, is already changing other people's lives. I wrote a book, Love Is. And it's been out for about a year now, and it is, has been doing great. And I love getting the emails from people saying what has happened in their lives because of the book and how things have changed for them. And I just know that love is something that can change the world, real love, not, not love necessarily what we've been taught, because we haven't necessarily been taught love the right way. Not everything done in the name of love or said in the name of love really is love. But when you truly understand it and then live it, it's, it is life changing for sure. Yeah. So, and that's interesting. Sorry to me to cut you off. As I say, that's so interesting because it was kind of like, you know, I was saying something yesterday. I think I was talking to my husband about this, but I was talking about yesterday how when something happens to us that we don't like, you know, our automatic reflex is to go into defense mode, right? Like, and, and typically it's because, you know, we want significance and we want love and connection. Like these, we value these things. And when we feel that we're not getting those things, you know, the, the automatic reaction is to go into some kind of defense. We don't say to somebody very seldom, you know, Kim, you hurt my feelings, right? Like, I mean, it's hard to do that, right? Like that's a growth thing. We have to grow into that. You know, I'm pretty direct. So I'm getting to that point now where I just tell you, that's mean, you hurt my feelings, you know, like, <laughs> I'm getting, but we don't, as human beings, we, we don't, we have to learn, we have to mature and learn to develop into those higher levels of adult development stages. I think to be able to recognize that because so often we go into this defense mechanism and we retaliate by saying something, you know, either mean back, you know, I, I call them digs where you just, you say something that you probably shouldn't be saying. It may, you know, it might not be super mean, but it was, it's, you're trying to jab back at somebody, you're, you know, to make your point cross, but I can read underneath it and say, I know why you're doing this right now. Cause your feelings are hurt at the moment. You know, I think that's what I feel like when I hear you talk about this love thing, it's that people are not really understanding. It's, it's like, there's this manipulation with it. And when you get to the true side of that and understanding it, then you can be much freer and open and honest about the things, you know, like instead. And so that's, I guess that's what I'm taking away, how I'm perceiving it, so to speak. And, um, and I feel like they kind of go simultaneously together because they're growth. It's, it's really about you developing as, as an adult and understanding these concepts. You know what I mean? 
Right, right. You know, one of the things uh, to go along with that is that one of the things I've discovered about love is that love is not a transaction. Right. So, right. So if I give you money, give me a pair of jeans, that's a transaction. If I give you love to get love, that's a transaction. That's not love. Love is a one-way street. You know, even though we've been told for years, love is a two-way street. It's not. And love is for the person, not the actions. So you can love somebody. Say I do get so excited for that wedding day. And then the minute he leaves his dirty underwear on the bathroom floor, you can start withdrawing or thinking you're withdrawing your love. Well, you're not loving that action, but that's not who he is. You, You fall in love with the person. You befriend people for who they are, not the little things that might annoy you. And so yeah. to separate love from the things, I think is important. You know, yeah. the, the things you can change, things you can let go, the more you can let go of, the easier life is. But if you need to change them, there, there are things that can change, but the person doesn't change. And right. that's who you love. You love the person. That's good. That's good. And see, and that's where I think this growth comes in. Cause then the next part is that how do you respond to that? How do you behave? When that happens, do you do what you were saying where you retract and, you know, or do you look at that and go, okay, that's the person, right? That's just a quirk the person's doing. You don't love the behavior, you know, and how do you communicate that dialogue? You know, that's why I say, I feel like these are separate, but they over, they overlap into our development as adults, how we behave and respond. And you have to have that growth and you have to understand what you're saying. And then how do you take that and respond appropriately, you know, so that you're not doing that, what I call conditional love. It's, it's, you know, what you're saying, all the transactions that go with it. So this is good, Kim. I love it. And there was another question I was going to ask you. Oh, I know what I want to ask you in all of this, because I know you've got so many takeaways with the love thing. What have you learned about yourself in this journey? Oh my gosh, so much, so much that I've learned about myself. I learned that I wasn't loving the right way. I mm. I was learning that I had conditions on my love or I certainly had expectations on, on my love. And I learned that uh, even though I can so easily say I love everybody, which I do, I, I truly do love everybody. But before I did this journey, I would have told you that I love everybody. But I would have said, I love everybody, but those darn Democrats or those darn Republicans or whatever labels we want to put on people, right? That, well, then then you don't love everybody, you know? Sure. And, and people are not their labels. Like, get rid of the labels. You know, I mean, we're all something. You know, I'm a woman. I'm American. I'm what, you know, whatever. I'm a grandma. Right. I'm a mom. You know, we have, we have certain things that we are. But, it, but it's not who we are as a person. And, uh, but you're Jennifer and I'm Kim and that's the bottom line of it. And when you love the right way, when you learn how to love the right way, then you give yourself the freedom to be exactly who you believe you're created to be. And at the same time, you give everybody else the freedom to be exactly who they believe they're created to be. So there's no That's room good. for judgment and condemnation and trying to fix people. You know, I was the queen of unsolicited advice. Gosh, if they only did this, you know, their right. life would be so much better, right? Well, you don't control anybody. You only control yourself. You only That's control good. yourself. 
And when you recognize that and realize that you can just love people, that's all you have to do. Love them. Love them for who they are. Love the differences. Love, love the uniqueness. Gosh, if the world was full of me, I'd drive myself crazy. I mean, I love it that there's other people and other opinions are okay. There's nothing wrong yeah. with different opinions. And just right. love people where they're at for who they are. Doesn't mean you got to yeah. hang with them all. You don't have to go out for coffee. Right. You may not like them all, but you can love them. Love them and, yeah. and let, let them be who they are. I think this is good. I think it, well, and I think it has to start with loving yourself too. I think you have to love yourself and then you can love other people. I think that's where the freedom comes in because then you're less judgmental and, you know, you get, I think it's so good, Kim. I love it. I love it. So, and I want to, I want to say, you know, if our, I want to do a couple fun questions for you, but before I forget, so I don't miss this part, if our listeners want to find your books and find out a little bit more about you and your story, your journey, all of that, where do we want to send them? Well, my I am literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world. Oh, wow. Because my last name's obnoxious. There's way too many letters. There's two R's, two E's, two L's, S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E. So oh. KimSorrell.com is my website. But you can also get there, loveis.info. Okay. So a couple ways to get there. But I'm on social media. I'm pretty easy to find. Love Is is the name of the book. And uh, it is easy to find. And it's okay. an easy title to remember, a dark blue cover, big love is. And um, so, and it's available brick and mortar stores. It's available online at all booksellers. And I've got some fun retreats coming up and some other things coming up. And so I love hearing from people and being in touch with people. And and I am speaking, I'm available to speak. So uh, cool. it's, what a great life I have. Yeah. I love my life. Yeah. yeah isn't, that, isn't that crazy how the... That's how these things happen. But then you can find light at the end of that and, and use it, like I said, in the very beginning when I was talking about to find purpose and, and ways to help other people. So incredible. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great story. So I want to ask you a couple fun questions. I, I didn't get to do this on my last show because we just had we just talked too much. It was great. We just talked too much. But it's my favorite part is to ask these fun questions just because I think it, it sort of gives us that human element to say, hey, we're all just, you know, everyday people like we've been talking about through this whole episode pretty much. So... So I guess my, let's see, what do I want to ask you today? Let's do this. What is your favorite guilty pleasure food? Oh, guilty pleasure food? Black Something. licorice. Black licorice. I've yeah, never had anybody good. say that. Really? Yeah. I like yeah. That. That's interesting. Yeah. I have not had black licorice in like forever. <laughs> I don't know if I had it. I've not had it in forever, forever. All right. Other than Haiti, do you have a favorite destination spot? Uh, I, I do actually right now. My favorite destination spot is Singapore. Singapore. It's an amazing place. If you get to go, it's amazing. I love it. Love it. Awesome. Have not been there. Very cool. Thanks for sharing. See that I add all this to my, my knowledge bank of things I need to know. All right. Um, last fun question I want to ask you, what's in your Amazon cart? Oh, uh, Christmas presents for my grandchildren. <laughs> that hopefully they don't go on my Amazon account and see. <laughs> That's so funny. My son and I, so we have an Amazon, like a family account, but my son is somehow connected under mine. So it's so funny because he'll like, he ordered me a birthday present and I wasn't allowed to look, but it's in my Amazon thing. So. 
how do I not look? Like, how do I not see that? Right. Well, then the day it was supposed to show up, I get this thing that says your Amazon package is being held by the USPS. And I'm like, why is the USPS holding my package? Like I don't, it should, no, no, it needs to be delivered. So then I had to look to see what, it's just funny, you know, like what's in your Amazon cart? I love that question. The stories behind Amazon. Every once in a while, I'll get somebody that'll go, I have nothing in my Amazon cart. And I'm like, how do you have nothing in your Amazon cart? Like I have stuff saved in Amazon all the time. Like it's all, I need that. And then I'm like, no, we're not buying that today. Just leave it in the, in the cart, you know? Right, right, right. Or the um, save for later. I think my save yes. for later is probably 3,000 items. Yeah. Right. Me yeah. too. Like, and then I have to go back and clean it out because I'm like, well, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that. Right. Like, it's like, right. yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Kim, this has been so amazing. I'm so glad that we met. Thank you for sharing your story. I think you're a remarkable human being. And um, I, I'm, I admire your ability to be able to go through what you did and be able to turn that around and, and just think this whole thing, even the Haiti thing. I mean, wow. But to be able to take all of that and put it to a good purpose, you know, and be able to do something that you love doing, I think it's a remarkable thing. So congratulations. Well, thank you so much. I uh, feel like you should live next door to me and we should go out for coffee every day because you are remarkable and wonderful. And thank you. I appreciate this opportunity a ton. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. And uh, what we'll do, like I said, when this goes out, we'll make sure that we get, you know, the links on there so people know how to find the books and of course, find, keep up with what you're doing as well. I'm sure that your story, somebody, it's going to be touched. Somebody's going to be touched by this story. I think that's what this is all about, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. And so to our listeners, we want to say if you enjoy our show, please be sure you give us a rating on iTunes, check us out on Facebook, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube. And we want to leave you guys with a final parting thought. I say the same thing every week, Kim. It's the same thing. I'm hoping eventually it's going to start sinking in, right? In order to live the extraordinary, you must start. And every start begins with a decision. You guys take care, be safe, be kind to one another. We will see you next time.